Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This is episode number 81, Fear and Faith in Writing. Now, I'm bringing up fear first mainly because it's it's what I seem to deal with the most on a daily basis. And I don't mean just personally and professionally as a writer. I mean oftentimes listening to other writers or possibly even counseling them or giving them some instructions. It's usually the greatest thing that you hear. You know, the fear of um, I can write and I have some great ideas, but I'm not really sure if I'm ready to do this novel. Or I I, I have a lot of wonderful writing I've been putting aside for the last couple of years and I'm putting it together, but I'm afraid to put it out there. I'm afraid that it's going to fall flat. I'm afraid I'm going to be judged. It's just a lot of fear. And this is very common, though, so it's nothing to uh, to ridicule or make fun of anyone of, of but... It's something that, just like anything else in life, we have to figure out ways to overcome it. I think writing, amongst other professions, probably has a lot more of it. Because you don't get lots of people that say, hey, you know, I don't like firefighting and I don't think firemen are cool. And, you know, I don't want to invite them to my uh, party because firemen are not cool. You don't get that. Yeah, maybe you might get that about cops. But, again, there's lots of jobs where people don't have any of these aversions to, but writing is something entirely different. Writing is something that, first, you have to go through your own fears of, can I put this together well? Is this something that's going to really connect with other people? Do I know what I'm doing? What am I doing? Others have done it better before. Oh, my family doesn't really like what I'm doing. Oh, they don't really appreciate what I'm doing. Oh, they hate what I'm doing. Oh, I hate the fact that they hate that I'm doing this. I mean, it goes on forever. And then, of course, you go to the outside world after that. I don't really understand it. I don't know what these folks are doing. I don't want to hear this. I just work hard all day. I only want to hear, you know, stories, lies, and and platitudes, which unfortunately is what a lot of people do these days. And that's why a lot of times they don't like to listen to hard-hitting or or deep writing because it, it just reminds them too much of things that they haven't really tackled themselves. But I think that also applies to a lot of writers that sometimes the fear that they are dealing with is less to do with the structural or even the artistic or poetic sense of what they're trying to do. Oh, I don't know if I could do this well enough or I don't know if I could turn that phrase or I'm not sure if I can really find a precise word to get across what I'm trying to say. I don't really think people are sitting there frightened to death over that. I mean, it's annoying, it's a task, you get used to it, but I don't think people are really that afraid of it. I think they're more of afraid of uh, what's going to happen to me when I tackle this subject. Is it going to dredge up things I'm going to have problem controlling? Is it going to bring a- about problems for other people around me when they read it? Oh, that's what he thinks. Oh, that's what she's about. You know, is it going to put me in a 
certain definition or a certain category or a certain box because I did this or I said that. I think people are afraid more of that about how it's going to be read or how they're going to be viewed. And to me, this is the most superficial of fears. I mean, I just don't think they're really valid enough to go forward as a, as a writer because those are the things that you have to be writing against and those are the things that you have to be easily withstanding because those are the things that are very common. You're going to get people to do that all the time. You don't honestly think that someone's going to say, you know, I really like the way you did that that essay. It has an incredible style to it and what breath to the, the subject. And it has a lot of truth in it, even though I totally disagree with it and, and, and I don't really like that it was out there. No one's going to say that. They're going to either try to crucify you for it because they don't like some of the things you're talking about. Or they're going to try to hack it to death because... Somehow they think they can do better, even though they probably haven't written a word in their life. Or they're going to like completely love it and maybe even give you some salient points on you know, why it was wonderful and maybe you should do some other things of that similar nature. Those are the kind of responses you're going to get. But you're not going to get the stereotypical response that you might think you're going to get. Something that's even and balanced and fair. <laughs> that's not the kind of world we live in anymore. And really... You should be writing exactly what your what your heart and, and your mind tells you to write and not worry about all those other voices out there because chances are, you know, they're fence-sitters anyway. They haven't done anything about anything at all. Because if they did, even if they didn't agree with you, they, they would find something, some common ground. This is somebody who put themselves out there. This is somebody who spent some time on an issue that they thought was important. This is somebody that simply blabbing their mouth at some birthday party is actually trying to make an impact. Trying to get a statement out there. Trying to change a mind. You know? Not just casting an opinion out there. Trying to make a point. That's what a decent, fair-minded person will do. You're not going to find a whole lot of those, unfortunately. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be writing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have an impact. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying to reach whoever and however you can. Because that's really your job as a writer. And having fear over that, not only is it going to stop you from writing, it'll, it'll, I mean, in my, my opinion, it's going to stop you also from, from being the honest person that you, that you want to be. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to people and I've come across people that they swear that they're honest. Or maybe even importantly, they swear that they want to be honest. But... They're not. And I'm not to say that they're like, you know, some rabbit liars running around hurting everybody, but they're not really honest because oftentimes they're unhappy people because, first of all, they're not honest with themselves. Maybe about the relationship they're currently in or the job that they're in or some of the things that they wanted to do in their life that they never got around to doing or maybe, again, they're just too afraid of doing them. They're not being honest with themselves. And then oftentimes, they're not being honest with the people around them. Oh, I can't say anything uh, candid or honest at work. God forbid, it might ruin everything for me. I got to face these people every day. Yeah, I know. What, what's the point you're making here? If you can be honest with anybody out there, you're eventually going to have to face somebody that has those similar opinions. Is this what you're supposed to be doing? Speak and run? Throw a bomb and run? That's not exactly the definition of honest. And it's certainly not the definition of, of, of being an upright citizen 
or just even some basic uh, courage. It's simply not any of those examples. We got way too many people out there. Sometimes, I know this might sound horrible to say, but sometimes the evil people out there have some advantages to the good people just because they're willing to stand up and do something. They're willing to stand up and say something, even if it's wrong, even if it's lies, even if it's evil. How can they do that and how can so many good people do nothing? Then you wonder why there's so many problems in the world. This is why. You're not doing anything. You're not speaking up. You're not writing what should be written. But guess what? They're out there typing away. This lie, this propaganda, this slight, this half-truth. And they already know what they're doing is, is completely wrong and they're completely false. But they have a goal in mind. They have an objective. They have things they want to get met. And they're not going to get met with honesty. They're certainly going to get met with you helping them. Because you can't even help somebody who's good, let alone somebody who's bad. This is what fear does to people. It ruins your writing. And eventually it starts eating into your humanity. You know, I meet lots of people that, you know, they, they tell me. Hey. I have so many regrets. I wish I did this. I wish I tried that. You know, people in their 50s and 60s. I don't want to sound too grim here. Okay, I'm just looking at statistics. But, you know, if you're in your 50s and 60s and you have a lot of regrets, you know, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you know, look at your time span. How much you think time you have left? I mean, so if you're not jumping on trying to get some things done now, when, when are you going to get them done? You just let 50, 60 years go by. Hmm? When is that supposed to happen? So if you're one of those people that adopted writing as your, your new important pastime, you want to get something out of it, then go do something with it, please. Do something that's useful and important. Make a statement. Do something that needs to be said. I don't care how small you think it is or how parochial you think it is or how locally you think it is. Say it, for God's sake, please. That's what writing is supposed to be about. Okay, because it is important to talk about the earth and how it gets polluted. And it's important to talk about how the sky can be dirty or even how the sky can be beautiful. It's important to talk about the, the quietude of the forest and how you can have meditation by a waterfall. These are all great things to talk about, okay? But you can't talk about them every single day because there's too many other things going on in life too. All right? You might want to talk about the person that's trying to blow up the waterfall. So that nobody else can enjoy it. Or the person that's trying to, you know, poison the sky. Or the people that are pissing in a river instead of swimming in it. You see, because you just can't concentrate just on one thing. You know, I, I love those folks. I, I want to be positive. Okay. You can go to a store called Hallmark and you can get all the positive stuff you want. First of all, it doesn't mean any of that stuff is true. Second of all, you know you're going to have days where days when there's Hallmark cards can't do anything but give you useless words rather than mixing it with the truth, mixing it with something that has some impact and makes somebody move and want to do something. I don't know anybody who's ever got a poem from a Hallmark card that made them do anything important in their lives. But I know people that read things that said, damn, I need to, I need to get up and say something. I need to be counted for a change. I need to open my mouth. I need to raise my voice. I need to move away for a moment and, and look at something in a different way. I've seen people have changes in their lives because of writing. 
And I'm one of those people that don't believe change, people change that often because they really don't. But they do. Periodically they do. And when they do, it's because something dramatic has happened. Their eyes have opened somehow. Maybe through a drama or a tragedy. Maybe because you wrote something that just, boom, it, it just knocked them for a loop. And who's to say that your writing is for, you know, 5 million people or 10,000 people? Who's to say it's not for a couple of people that just get knocked over the head by it and, and their life changes? You've done your job. That's what you're supposed to be doing. So please keep that in mind. Because whenever you let fear get involved in anything, anything in your life, it holds you back from who you're supposed to be. It takes away your potential. Ultimately, it destroys your dreams. You don't get to be the person that you wanted to be because you let fear hold you back. You know? I can't tell you how many people I know that are married for a great amount of time. And they'll, they'll, they'll privately tell me, I, I still have a love that's still out there. Who I know. But I certainly don't want to break my values. And I certainly don't want to do anything that's, you know, untoward in my marriage. Because I love my wife. But I still got somebody out there. I just never did anything about it. They live with that secret regret. And that long, deep sorrow that they might just carry to their grave one day. I'm not really suggesting they date wrap up their marriage and throw their family out the window to go pursue somebody. But it is an example that we see too often of people with these kind of regrets and what it does to them. How it eats something inside of them. How it takes a little bit of their of their humanity. How it just erodes some of their joy. Because that regret is them acknowledging that they could have went in a different direction. They could have made other choices. It could be in a situation, whether it's a job or a relationship or anything, where they settled rather than simply did what they're supposed to have done. And then they have to live with that settlement because it has consequences. 10, 20, 30 years. These things are not easy to, to unravel anymore. Sometimes they're impossible. And they have to live with all of that. It's a horrible thing. Some, some of the best writing comes out of things like that. I'm sorry to say. But also, these things hurt people. They hurt that they hurt their health in the end because all that regret, all that stress, you know, all that dread, you know, it harms people. Stress harms people. It harms their health. You know, it causes them to do dumb things. And you have to wonder sometimes when you see somebody dying at fifty-six or sixty-five, when they could have lived longer. What what did that? Especially if you find out that it wasn't a a drug user, or they wasn't a cigarette smoker, or they wasn't out there drinking all day. You know, unless they had some exotic disease, you always have to wonder in the back of your mind, well, what brought that on? What were they dealing with? What were they carrying that we won't know about? Is it in their letters, in the, in the, in the trunk, in the attic? Is it in their poetry that we just need to look a little closer at? Is it in their heart and souls and they never revealed it? If there's a heaven, if we get a chance to go there and meet them, are they going to be able to tell us? Does it even matter at that point? I don't really know any of the answers to these questions. What I do know is that if we continue to live lives enveloped in fear, driven by a lack of faith 
and constantly making the, the wrong choices, we're not going to have much of a life to, to live. Because I, I'm telling you folks, it's never too late to change your path. It really isn't. I don't care how old you are. No one says you can't be a more honest and vocal person. No one says you can't be a stronger writer out there and to speak what needs to get spoken. There's no rule against any of this. Is there some measuring stick that says if you do this for 20 years and die, die and make, it makes up for the other 60? Hell no. I, who knows what that measuring stick is? What I do know is that oftentimes how you go in those last years, whatever those last years are, whether they're 20 years or 20 minutes, you know, you're going to feel the best rather than all those other years because you're going to still feel you know, at that moment of passing that you went in the direction that you wanted to go, that you finally did do it. Doesn't matter how, how long you did it, how much you were able to accomplish, that, that, that's that you did it, that you put your mark out there. That's what makes the biggest difference of all. It's up, to, it's up to history and up to God if it makes up for anything else before. But what I can tell you is this, that's the best way to go. If you're going to go, go that way. Don't go making the same dumb things over and over again. Oh, how do I stop this? I don't know. Uh, stop it. That's how you stop it. Make better choices. This is what we need to do as writers. I think it's very important to understand that. So once you get over the idea of, hey, I got you now, fear. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out forward ahead. Well, what are you doing? Well, basically, what you're doing is you're committing an act of faith. Because when fear stops being a component of writing, then faith becomes a component. Because it's the faith of, I'm on the right track with this. I'm gonna keep working on it. I'm gonna keep rewriting it. That's the faith you have. The second faith you have is I'm going to send it out there believing that somebody, somewhere, is going to pick it up. They're going, to, they're going to like it. They're going to see the merit in it. They're going to see the value in it. They're going to say, at a girl, at a boy. Maybe necessarily at those words because sometimes you don't really hear anything other than you're accepted or you're not. But still, someone says you're accepted, that's, that's an at a boy to me. That's what faith is about in writing more than anything else. There's another dimension though. And it's, it's, it's the faith of trying to open up yourself more. Maybe the past held you back. Not only because of the choices you made, but also sometimes just because you held yourself back. Maybe you're one of those people that spend so much time caregiving to everybody on the earth that you forget to care about yourself. And that's going to hold you back. Because that's not really a fear to me. That's just more of you want to be so good to everybody that you forget to be good to yourself. We have a lot of people like that. It takes a real toll on their health, on their mental well-being either. Because they have a right to ask the, those, the singular question that oftentimes they don't want to ask. When I fall down, Mark, who the hell is going to take care of me? I don't really know because if you spend everybody else helping everybody else, you know you you might not get a whole lot in return. You'd you'd like to think that you'd like to hope that. I'm rooting for that, okay? It's never been my experience though. I've seen too many times when people have literally burnt themselves out of just they couldn't take care of anybody anymore because you know their their mental health and, and their own physical health 
got deteriorated to the point where they just couldn't do it anymore. They just burnt out. So you need to have the faith also in I'm important. I'm valuable. What I have to say makes a difference. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do something. If you want to spin this, as this is your way to helping other people and taking care of them through the writing, hey, fine, if that's how you want to continue to roll with it. But it still needs to be about what you're doing. Your pen to the paper. Your fingers to the keyboard. You hitting that button to send it out. Believing that your experience and your humanity and your control, at least temporary, because that's really what writing is in a strange way. It's a temporary control of fear. Hold back fear as I'm doing this. And then later on you're like, ugh. But that's what you have to do. Ultimately, folks, that's what courage is. Courage is, is, isn't 24 hours of, of constant bravery. It's more like 24 minutes of just holding back fear long enough to get the hell you have to get done. Pulling somebody out of a fire or out of a wreck or shooting the bad guys so somebody else can live. And then going back to you know being the regular person you were before. Which is usually throwing up and wondering if you did the right thing. That's what courage is. This is the temporary suspension of fear. That's why I often think that many writers, when they when they do this on a regular basis, and they've had a greater discipline and control, which you will continue to get as you activate faith in your life and in your writing, you're going to have more more moments of courage. You're going to see that more. You're going to say, wow, that just came about naturally. Wow, I didn't even have to struggle hard to get there. That's right. You'll simply become more brave. More heroic. More willing to say and do courageous things. And we need more people like that in the world. We don't have enough. You know, I, I, I'm not really a cynical person. I happen to think, though, that the world is not full of bad people. It really isn't. There's simply not enough bad people in the world to actually continue the harm and the fear and, and the hatred that's out there. Lots of that comes from good people. When I mean good people, I really mean good people. A lot of that bad stuff comes out of there. They create those environments. They cause a lot of these problems. They look the other way. They won't speak up. They won't do anything. Doesn't mean they're bad people. We all can't be bad. So if you look at the logic of it all and look at the math, the world is full of a lot of good people that won't do crap. And that just allows enough nonsense out there for that small amount of people who are bad to do things. That's how idiotic people with tiny brains can run entire nations. Because people let them. You can blame all day long about they had this secret police and they had this political that and they bribed this and blah, 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 blah. No. Good people. Lay down. Let them walk across the earth. Let them walk across their backs. Let them harm the innocent people because they wouldn't do anything. That's why. So if you wonder why we have bad people, uh, blame good people. And you'll have the, uh, you'll understand the math right away. In fact, good topics are actually right about. I've written about it a couple of times. How, how the average person formulates more evil in the world than, than the evil people do. Even they uh, have a, a lack of imagination. But us good people, please, we can rationalize anything. 
yeah, I'm going to stab that person at, at, at in the back at work because I have a family and it's the right thing to do. I'm sure they'll understand one day when they have a family. Yeah? Yeah, I'm going to let that homeless person just hack themselves to death and stop breathing in front of me over there because, you know, maybe they'll get me sick. So I'll just walk away. They're not important. They don't even vote. It's the rationalizations that, that causes so many problems in the world. And those rationalizations... They come from good people. Because guess what? Bad people don't really have rationalization. In fact, the sick thing about it is, is they quote a lot of facts. Take take Hitler, for example. The big lie. That's what gets them. Yeah, he understood that. But kept telling these big lies, it would fool people. They just couldn't believe it anymore. It was so big. No, that can't be false. It's too big. He understood that. Understood something about human character. Because... That's what the evil person does. They use a lot of truth. They a lot of evil. Have you ever heard that old joke about that even the devil can quote scripture? Well, that's not really a joke and it's not really a cliche. It's just trying to explain to you an important fact that oftentimes bad people often have a better idea about the way the world works, the way even humanity works, than good people do. Because they're too busy being you naive and sticking their head in the sand and looking the other way and going to the Hallmark every other day. I got to do that. I'll feel better. Great. Thanks. While we're dying out here, appreciate you feeling better over there in that store that has a lot of uh, horrible poems and, and platitudes that's not going to do you any good other than to take your money. Think of Stalin. Here's another one. Okay? Here's another one. I, lo I, I love the quote he had here because, again, he shows something about what he understood about human nature. Okay? If you kill one man, that's a murder. If you kill a million, that's a statistic. So there you go. Another peek into humanity from an evil person. And just like Hitler, he understood the same fact. If I can do things on a massive scale, it's so big that people can't comprehend it anymore. They won't want to try to comprehend it. They'll just simply rationalize it because that's all these freaking good people like to do is rationalize stuff. Meanwhile, he's committing millions and millions of people to die. That guy killed more people in Russia than, than Hitler did. They understood that. I can give you example after example after example, but I don't have to. I think you get a, a, a good hint of it already. So, it is your job as a writer to have faith in yourself and start speaking some of those truths. They don't have to be some gigantic social truth out there that's going to possibly change the world. You, you might not be ready for that. You might not be able to see that. And that's just fine. But some of those smaller truths that are inside you that are not getting out. You know? Why should I be polite to this horrible neighbor I have next door? All they do is shout and scream. Throw stuff on the ground. Act foolish in the... The, the homeowner association meetings. Growl and grump and everything. And I'm supposed to be polite to something like that. Those are the things that harm us in the end. Those little truths that we won't act on. Because we're trying to be polite. Because we're trying to be civil. Because we think somehow that makes us good. By lying to ourselves. Or lying to our neighbor. Or lying to the world. Why don't you tell your neighbor he's an asshole. It's not a bad thing to happen. You'll feel a whole lot better, I can tell you that. What, is it going to change them? 
I don't really know. But I can tell you one thing. I honestly don't think in the end you're going to feel worse for it. You'll feel better. People always feel better when they start writing, start acting on, start talking the truth. They do. Because there's so much stuff that people cover up in their own lives that causes them to be so damn miserable. More times than not, people have writer's block because they have all these emotional issues that they won't deal with. What do I do? What do I do? I don't know. Make a damn decision. That's what you need to do. And guess what? That's what life's all about. Making a decision. Doesn't matter if it's wrong. You're going to have time to go fix it possibly. But you can't deliberate forever. People do that for years. I, I've been waiting years to make this decision. Really? What the hell have you been doing in the, in the meantime? Hmm? Big ball of stressed out wax? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. How the hell does that make you any human? How does that help you be happy? I'm telling you folks, in the end, you can't be happy unless you're, unless you're out there being candid, unless you're being honest. You're not really happy. You're just lying to yourself. And writing should never be about that. It should always be about the truth that we find and that we try to get out there, even if we mix it up. I've seen some cool Zen poetry where the guy and even the girl write something that seems nature-like, but they also have some interesting metaphors in there. They're trying to mix in things about their own life, about things they see out there. That's not a bad hybrid to do. That's, that's an excellent idea. It's a good creative launching point, and maybe you can go from there. But when you find the strength, not only to be human, but to be honest, you're going to find your voice. And when you find your voice, bam. Not only are you a writer, you're the writer that you're supposed to be. And if you continue to go with that path, you're going to get published. You're going to get better. You're going to get stronger. People are going to take notice. You're going to take notice. But writing stuff that makes no sense just because it looks good on paper or because it sounds wonderful that gets old after a while. It gets old for people reading it. It's got to be getting old for you. And you got to you got to learn to stop that. Have the faith to take the risk. I mean, that's what writing is anyway. Think about that. That's what it is. And I think many a times that people don't do the best writing they can, not because they lack talent, not because they're practicing or not practicing. It's because they're holding back. They're holding back their humanity. They're holding back their honesty. And they're covering it up with rationalizations. Oh, I need to have manners. Yeah, okay. It's not hard to have manners. Sir, won't you stop yelling and screaming over there and disturbing me when I'm trying to raise my family in this house with your windows open? Won't you close those and be a decent neighbor? There you go. I addressed the fellow. I talked honestly. I talk, I feel politely, but I didn't let the facts go out the window because I wanted to be manner. I want to be full of manners. I don't know what that means. But what is that really supposed to mean? To me, it's just another one of those cover-up words. You know, like downsizing. Just say you're firing the people because you want to save money. And you send them to the unemployment line. Don't use stupid words like downsizing. It's just that weasel word crap. That's just not very helpful to anybody. We talked about that in the... The representation of words. That's what that is. 
When you're being honest, it's not hard to have manners. Manners is speaking in a decent civil tone and addressing somebody, sir, and please, and thank you. Okay, there goes some manners. But it doesn't mean that you sacrifice the truth. Doesn't mean you leave out the facts. Doesn't mean that you still don't put yourself out there. Because even with that, the person might get upset. Oh well, they're upset anyway, so what the hell's the difference? I guess you get more upset. Oh well, it's all about you though. Can you stand up for yourself? Will you stand up for yourself? And that's what's necessary. I think think it's necessary to be a, a constructive citizen in a free society. I think it's necessary, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, to be a better human being because you're being more forthright, because you're being more honest, because you're not letting fear control your life. And, and, and quite frankly, because I don't really see how it allows a person to point other things out and they have all these issues themselves. The old Italian saying about, you know, you better live in a museum if you find dirt in my house. It's the same thing, really. It lets you become more bolder about what you could say and do about others because you're working on that yourself, you know? Because you really can't otherwise. God help you if you get called out on, on something and someone's like, really? What are you hiding? What do you got an issue with? Oh, nothing. Yeah, okay. So if we want to be freer and braver, and happier, well, we got to ditch some of this fear that we have in ourselves. And I'm not saying it's an overnight process. I'm not even knowing if you can get rid of a lifetime of it and the rest that you have left in your life. Don't know. I do know is that you could definitely tackle it. You could definitely do worries to curb it. You could definitely identify it, cut it off in some instances. You can replace more of it with faith. Because I don't really think any of us can live a, a life that's without fear. I just think it's dangerous to live a life without faith. It doesn't have to be the religious spiritual stuff. Not the stuff they talk on the news media where it's a, a dirty word. You know, apparently uh, abortion is, is a noble experiment. But, you know, faith is you're a freak of nature and you're a weirdo. So this is the kind of world we live in. Very upside down. But I say that it's an important component of a writer's life because every time you put yourself out there and you write something you spend time away from your friends and your family the time you could have spent on running or watching a show or maybe the time you could have spent more sleeping but you didn't every time you do that you're taking a risk it is an act of faith and you send it out there you don't know what's going to happen is someone going to giggle across the ocean that sucks or they're going to say damn this guy is making a point Damn, this girl's on on the money. You don't know. So it's always an act of faith. It's always a, a chance you're taking. It's always a risk. Yeah, there's always a danger that's going to fly in your face. But how do you live life if you, if you don't live that way? How do you feel anything at all if everything's about safety and nothing's about risk? I'm not suggesting that everything you do in your life has to be risky. That's just as dumb as everything has to be in safe. I'm saying those extremes. That's what the philosophy in the show has always been about. The strength to be human. That you didn't let one 
one factor in your life, religion, control everything about you, that you still can think for yourself and you still can make your own decisions. And the same thing with science, that you just didn't believe every single thing I had to say and you were willing to question it. Because it claims it wants to be questioned until you question it. Then it's like, oh no, you're a bad person. But this is all about being a free-thinking person, which you'll be a whole lot better of a writer and of a better human if you actually just think for yourself. I don't say don't listen to the media. I'm just saying question it. You should do that. I don't understand how people can question their boss at work and they can question the nature of their job. They can even question God and the nature of the universe. But somehow somebody says something on CNN and they're like they're literally writing it down and carving it into a stone someplace to, to put up on a mount. So I'm not really getting that. Okay. If these places don't have an agenda, then what the hell does? This is when you need to think for yourself. And guess what? When you do think for yourself, you'll you'll see the differences out there. You'll see that there's some things being said that make sense and other things it's like, where the hell did you get that from? And then you'll understand what to listen to, what not to listen for, what to take with a grain of salt and what not. Because I'm never somebody that says you need to turn the dial off. I don't really think you need to do that. I just don't think you need to open your mouth and have the dial pour every damn thing that's being said into your brain and into your heart and somehow now you're you're knowledgeable. Because they don't want free thinkers. They just want people who are going to tape record them. And this is what the danger is. That's why I think in many instances, writers and the community of writers, you'll, you'll find many of them especially if they've been doing this for quite some time and they want to be honest about what's going on out there and, and going on with themselves. You know, they're going to have different opinions, sure. But they're also going to be people that they're not going to be fooled so easily. They're not going to suddenly run around and form an entire entire world philosophy uh, from a three-minute soundbite from a political commercial or from some, some news media, some radio blurb. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I just figured it out the world. They're going to be skeptical. They're going to look at it with a careful eye, as they should, as you should, as you should be writing about things. They question that. Maybe you have some of your own answers. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just have the questions. There's nothing wrong. They still need to be out there too. But don't fall for being so afraid that you need to impress anybody. I think sometimes people live with a lot of fear because they feel that if they don't, they're going to scare away all their friends or their family. Let me tell you something, folks. Uh, this might sound a little rough to you, but you know, if you can't be honest with the people you call friends, I don't know how these people can be your friends. Because when something bad happens, I want to know how many of these people are standing by your side. Okay? Let me know. Because if you got 10 of them and two of them are still there, you're a blessed individual. Because most of the times, you, you're not, these are not real friends. They're not going to be there for you. So why try to impress them? Why put yourself down? Why listen to or believe lies or tell lies that you know are lies so you can impress somebody that really doesn't matter? And if you worry about scaring away your family, well, guess what? If you move away, you're going to scare them anyway. And you're going to have distance and you're not going to always have the same relationship you did before. That's just life. Okay, and guess what? Whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, 
whether they think you're great or not, they're still your family. That's not going to stop, even if you don't like them anymore and never talk to them again as long as you live. Still your family. So you got some people that you're never going to be able to get rid of, really. Family. And you got others that, if you really can't be honest with them, then they're not really worth your company. Go get some new ones, please. Then necessarily you have to be people who agree with you. Those people that are not going to go on jumping up and down because you said something they don't agree with and they don't like. <gasps> oh my God. My, my destiny is ruined now. You said something that hurt my feelings. Okay. Let's just grow up here. Part of writing is about growing up. And I'm shocked at how many people I talk to and I meet who are, if not my age, close to my age, and they don't seem to be very grown up. They seem to have a very unusual adolescent feeling about everything. Everything is a news bite and everything is a you know, a story from uh, I recognize from the media yesterday, and they're, they're spouting it out now like it's gospel. You can't be a writer that way, folks. You got to go find out for yourself what's out there. So, I'm never going to counsel you. Don't listen to CNN. Don't listen to the news media. Don't read any of these stories in the newspapers. I'm not one of those people that ever tell you that because I think that's wrong. I just think that. Once you get all that stuff in your system, now go find out what the hell's really going on, okay? Because they'll give you a decent starting point. Some of the stuff they might even say have some truth to it. You got to go figure out the rest yourself. That's what being a human being is. That's what being a free thinker is. That's what being a, a citizen in a free society is. And I'm telling you, that's what it is to be a writer. To go find your own truth. And then maybe you have to go find somebody else's truth. Or the truth out there in the world as you see it. And write about it. And write about it not only in an artistic sense, but in a spectacular sense of, hey, you need to check this out. You need to consider this. You need to look at this. You need to stop believing when someone sold you with a bow. When sometimes, guess what? Sometimes the truth is messy. Sometimes it's sloppy. Sometimes it's ugly. It's not always pretty. It's not always noble. But if we're going to learn to embrace it, we have to understand that it comes as it comes. It's not always going to be in some cookie-cutter fashion. It's not going to have that wonderful ending like from Hollywood. If any of you believe in the devil or just maybe the metaphorical devil that we have in our lives, okay? Keep that in mind. That, that entity, that character... You know, it plays advocate against us because I think it plays against our own indecisions, our own rationalizations, our own fears. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean it has any more answers than we do. But it'll seem that way because you're all over the damn place and it's not. It's one of the problems with evil. Usually the way you could spot it is it has a certain certitude to it. This is how it is. Boom. This is what you must do. Boom. Yes, those people must die. Boom. Yes, those people are all horrible. Boom. Certitude. In a complex world, in a world with its varying shades of gray, where some things are black and white and so many are not, that makes the world complex. So when someone gives you a bumper sticker philosophy or a cookie fortune wisdom 
That's the certitude I'm talking about. That's the certitude that you need to be able to knock down immediately. Really? I've been here 55 years on the earth and I'm going to fit everything into six words on a tiny piece of paper printed in Taiwan. Uh, no. Or some, some new age nonsense about the trees are talking to me. Great. Because uh, last I checked, um, you're going to a therapist, you've been uh, divorced three times. So if the trees are talking to you, you might want to go to something else to talk to you because you're not getting the right advice, okay? That's the kind of certitude I'm talking to about. Now it's up to you, and it's not your job as a writer to also offer some of your own versions of certitude. But you can say certain things that make common sense, that make logical points. And then, of course, that knock down some of that nonsense. It's not hard to do. There's plenty of people out there, believe it or not, that hold many different prejudices, but they're not necessarily bigoted people. There's a big difference. We're not going to reach those people if we're just calling them names all day. Oh, I'll disassociate you because you have a prejudice. Maybe what they have to read about what you have to say could help turn them, open their mind up a bit. Maybe just your presence in their life can can help. I've seen this happen numerous times. I haven't been somebody that's changed a bigoted person to somebody that that's more open-minded. But I've definitely opened a lot of minds on Pete's rule that were prejudiced, that held certain things they just didn't even realize sometimes. Those are the people that are out there that they harm society and they harm themselves and they harm their families, not realizing what they're doing. So let's get on the ball, folks, as, as writers. Do your best to ditch the fear. Don't let it stop who you're supposed to be. Grab onto the faith. You have to because you got to take a risk. You can't do things safely. I mean, I don't mean to make fun of the Facebook writers that just throw stuff on there and don't want to get printed anywhere else. But that's a form of the safety. It, it doesn't really do you any good. You should be trying to shoot for more. I mean, don't you think you deserve it? I've read some good stuff in some of those, some of those things. And I say to myself, why aren't they trying to do more? I know a few of them they have, and I know a lot of them they just won't. Mainly because they privately told me they won't. I mean, contact. That's why I know that. So it's a sad thing. It really is. But it's not too late. It's not too late to open your mouth, to stand up and be counted, to put aside fear long enough to let faith do something for you. You'll be a better writer for that. You'll be a better person for that. Till next time, folks. God bless. Strength to be human. This is Mark Anthony Rossi. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing. www.somapublishing.com.